This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, OK, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery and I was down at the National Ploughing Championships where I had a chat with Jamie Heaslip and Tony Ward. I started off by asking Jamie whether he had a time frame for recovery from his injury, which has kept him out of the game since last March. No, just, just chatting to Tony about it. He asked the same question, and I actually don't have an answer for people. Uh, it's pretty complicated what I've done, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm literally taking it week by week. And, uh, you know, some days are good, some days are bad. Um, and just taking it week by week and uh, taking my opportunity now, now that I'm not away playing games to uh, enjoy my weekends. And is it a bit, I thought it was even tough for you to take because before this injury you were pretty much like an Ironman. I don't recall you picking up any <laughs> any similar injuries or anything of a length yeah, of time. Yeah. So how has been the adjustment to kind of being off the pitch? Uh, it's, it's fine, you know. Um, I have a, how, how do I put it, I have a very kind of a growth mindset in terms of challenges and uh, the opportunity that arises with them. You know, um, the energy, uh, uh, injury wasn't great timing at all, um, considering everything that was at stake uh, in, in the coming months. but. You know, the flip side, I was able to plan holidays, plan trips. I went off to a course in Harvard um, and I'm able to catch up with maybe some friends and families that I haven't seen. Um, but look, it's a challenge. You get on with it. Um, I, 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 for a while, I just laughed at the lads in terms of injury because I, was, I knew it would happen one day. You, 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 you know, it's rugby. You know, you're going to get hurt. Um, I just didn't think it would be as such a... Uh, serious uh, injury that I get but you know I saved up all the days for a good long one anyway that's for sure <laughs> definitely and, and Tony I guess it's a bit of a double mommy for Jamie because not only has he been off the pitch but some of the guys in his exact position have been playing very good rugby I know you were kind of uh, enthusiastic about Jack Conan's start of the season bias with Sherrod's there so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew I was going to get that I knew uh, I have to can, can I say first of all I think Jamie's career has been absolutely phenomenal and you can tell by the attendance here today and not just in terms of the consistency in avoiding injury, but the consistency of performance. And the one point I've always made about Jamie is, in my opinion, he never gets the credit he deserves for what he does off the ball. His work ethic is absolutely superb. And I have to say, in Jack's defense, and Jamie's getting to know him, Jack follows the same line in terms of when he goes out, he leaves everything on the pitch. He's a good lad in terms of his attitude to the game, in listening to Jamie, and in learning from other players. I'm not biased, I have coached him. 
up along. <laughs> so I, I know him from the time he was a kid. Um, and I have to say, um, I, his best days are to come, obviously, given his age. But it's still, look. He's, look, uh, I've been asked about it, obviously. Um, and I know Tony's completely biased because of Gerald's. Um, no, I'm really messing with Jack's been a great kid. Um, he's, you know, he's had his fair share of injuries as well, but he's taken them as opportunities to um, get strong off the field and work in other parts of his game. Um, I think he's, he's doing really well under the guidance of uh, Stuart, like the rest of us are, to be honest. And, uh, you know, he's going really, really well right now. I, I have a great relationship with him. Um, we chat a lot uh, off the field regarding what we think of the game and, and how we play and how we get involved. Uh, we're two very different uh, players uh, with, of different skills. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think Garrett's a great, uh, Garrett, I, I think he's a great player, you know? Yeah, is it a tough balance to strike for you if you want to mentor him a bit, but maybe not too much, so he actually comes in and maybe takes your place? Um, at this kind of stage of my career, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't really care about myself, if I was to be honest. Um, I've been a part of some really, really good teams and, and squads that have accomplished a lot. And I'm, I'm more worried about what I want is more the team to do well. Um, like the, the, the jersey of Ireland and the jersey of Leinster will live long, you know, way past me and my, and my involvement. And, and you want to be able to, at this stage of my career, I want to be able to be involved in, in sowing those seeds for, the, for that next generation. Because we have an actually very young squad in Leinster and a very young squad actually in Ireland right now. Um, and sow the seeds for them and show how uh, we've gone about our work and then, you know, how they can add to that, how they can add value. Yeah, could I just add to that? Yeah, that uh, I'm involved in the schools game, as Jamie knows. Uh, Jamie went to Newbridge and, as you said, Jack went to Gerrard's. Two of the lesser schools, so to speak. But the talent, I remember about three years ago when the European competition went from Heineken Cup, which Leinster and Munster and even Ulster had done so well in, and then the big fear was now that France and England would uh, take over the, the clubs from there. I never shared that, and I doubt you did either, because I know, I see it firsthand from literally in the junior school up, what's coming through, particularly the Leinster system, and it is phenomenal. A third of the talent in South Africa there. came from St. Michael's. Uh, fair whack. St. Michael's fair Rock. Yeah, it depends. But no, no, it's, you mean, then you have people like Ty Furlong who come through, Shawnee, you know what I mean? These real, like, Ty Furlong's going to be tight head prop for Ireland, in my opinion. For next Even Dars, a posh school, but Dars as well. He definitely doesn't sound like he's from Wexford anyway, just like the Carnies and Louth. Um, but yeah, look, they, like, like Tony said, like I see them as well through coming through the academy, right? These guys are coming through at 17, 18 into, into the academy, and they are way more developed, both physically, mentally, and uh, skill-wise, football ability, um, compared to what we were at that stage at 17, 18, you know, and you can just see it. They're, they're, they're breaking through into teams younger. Uh, I mean, Joey Carberry got, we had his, I'll never forget it. We had his 21st birthday party <laughs> in a steakhouse in Chicago the week we're playing uh, the All Blacks and where he comes on after 15 minutes and, and champions the game. Um, and people like Jack who are breaking through, uh, Gary Ringrose, um, all that kind of peer group. And it's all because of the work that gets done, identifying the talent, um, at schools, the work done in the schools, and um, the way they're able to bring them through the system. But it is important to have that veteran presence, because when you would have broken in, you know, 05, 06, there was some veterans still there that maybe guide the ship a bit, because it's great having a lot of young talent, but there does need to be, as you said, someone there to kind of guide them and teach them what to do and not to do. Yeah, I mean, um, when you think about it, there wasn't anyone, when I came into the squad, I came in, my first time in the squad would have been around 2004 when it would have been the, the academy and at that time it was impossible for anyone to have had an entire career as a professional. 
If, you know what I mean? The game went professional, what, 97? 96? 97. Um, and in Ireland, at that stage, I think we only had something like, I think it was four from each province or something like that. It was, it was something mental. Um, so we didn't have, no one really knew. They're kind of making it up, you know. And now I'm lucky enough to have been able to, I've played my entire career professionally with a little bit of uh, amateur rugby in, in Trinity um, before I went professional. And kind of have that blend. Um, and be, being able to tell them, like, they keep asking me, you know, before I got injured, I hope they ask me after now that I am injured, how to keep yourself well, you know, um, how to approach it, uh, uh, the lifestyle that it is. Because it's not just a nine to five, it's, it's a complete 360 kind of uh, uh, mindset that you have to have to it. And um, how you approach everything, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that happens off the field, there's a lot of different stakeholders off the field as well as on the field. And um, you just try and, you know, set some sort of example. For me, the big influence was people like Nathan Hines, um, Brad Thorne, um, you know, th these kind of guys who'd been around, who played a good 10 years professional rugby, joined the club, and you got to see how, how they, they went about their business. And especially Brad Thorne, like he was the, the, the consummate professional. And I know myself and Sean O'Brien were, were heavily influenced by the way he went about his business. Tony, just moving on to maybe the season that's happened so far. Obviously, there was a bit of intrigue with the South African teams joining the Pro 14. Unfortunately, the game last weekend, there was only about a couple of hundred people there, apparently. I know they announced 3,000. What have you made of their contribution so far? Are you maybe worried that the league will be diluted a small bit? It's a little bit early yet, I think, to pass judgment, to be fair. And South African rugby is very... The strength and depth there, um, I think it was really rushed, I have to say, to get these teams on board uh, during the summer. Um, they're not the greatest places to visit. The lads are there at the moment. They're staying in Cape Town, which isn't too bad. But Bloemfontein and Eastern Province um, are not the greatest places. Port Elizabeth are not the greatest places to visit. That's neither here nor there. I think the South African teams will eventually come good. I'd be very surprised if they don't. Um, but it certainly adds a new dimension to the competition. I'm not crazy about these conferences things because it kind of takes away somewhat from the league. In other words, you play, I think it's every other team home and away in your own conference yeah. and every team in the other conference once. So it's not quite the same for every team, but them's the rules and you've got to play by them. And from the playing player's perspective, how have they kind of approached the new league? The same way as always, or is there a bit of an intrigue? Or I mean, you approach any game just like another game. It doesn't matter where it is. Um, actually, getting down there is fairly easy. It's an overnight flight. You don't really know. It wasn't that easy this time. Well, for some of the lads, it wasn't. <laughs> but at least they got two. They got extra air miles or something like that. Um, no, look. It, um, as a as a guy who loves the game, I think uh, the more we can expand the game into more markets, from a selfish point of view, from the the Pro 14 or what was Pro 12 point of view, to expand the league to bring more stakeholders into the game, bring more eyes on the game, bring more markets involved in the game, I think it's fantastic because that will eventually bring more money into the game and that will trickle down all the way to clubs like Trinity, to schools like Jared's and, and so on and so forth. And I think everyone will benefit from it. Um, it does come with its challenges. You know, you could argue that yes, it was, um, it was came about very quickly. But I think uh, I would be of the opinion that the conference way is actually the way to go if you want to grow um, the league and add more teams and maybe more more markets. I know there's been a lot of talk of going to the US um, and teams over there getting involved. That would really excite me. I don't think it's going to happen while I'm playing, but um, I would I would love to see that because it would just, again it would just open up the game and have more people watching it. And I think it's in America especially it's it's the fastest growing team sport going. I know sevens has a lot to do with that, 
But, um, you know, I, I think it's great for the, for the game of rugby. Yeah, can, can I echo that? Can I mention one thing as well that Jamie said earlier on? He mentioned Joey Carberry, um, who I think is an amazing talent, even though he had a little bit of an indifferent tour and disappointing game against US during the summer. But I was fortunate to be over in uh, Chicago back in November for that amazing win, and it was. In fact, I can honestly say it was one of the best five days of my life just to be involved in that whole thing. We were staying very close to where the lads were. The whole day, the way the team played. And that night I was at their dinner and Joey actually sang the Friends song, I think. The lads made him sing, get up on stage and sing that night when he was presented with his cap. But just a dream for somebody, and I, I think it, it's, it's a lesson for everybody, the Roy of the Rover stuff. That there's somebody like Joey Carberry, who was a late comer in many ways. Now, he's from New Zealand, came back to Ireland, around a thigh, somewhere in that area, yeah, I think he's from it was. Thai, yeah. And went to Black Rock, I think, in his last year. He was kind of full back on the team. And then suddenly he arrived on the scene. And your first international, you're playing against the All Blacks, the land of your birth. You beat them for the first time ever. Like, where do you go from there? Uh, he it thought it was easy. He's like, oh, you just turn up and play, beat them. Yeah, done. You're like, Joe, you know, it took me 10 times, right? It took me 10 times. Well, wasn't it an amazing experience, Jamie, that whole thing, well, that whole Chicago? Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. So from a playing point of view, it was amazing. Like, because we, we played them so many times. Um, we've come close a couple of times, both in New Zealand and uh, in the Aviva. We're back in 2013. And we're always, they showed their class, you know what I mean? They're a team that punish you. But I think that day, you know, everything just went our way. Everything was, we were on point and everything. We made very few mistakes. Uh, the mistakes we did make, they punished us like they always did, but we were able to get back on top and, and uh, gain momentum in the game. But from a, a, a fan point of view, I know my wife and her, uh, my mother-in-law were over, my parents were over, I had friends who were over. Um, like, it was Chicago, middle of November, yet it was 20 odd degrees. It was insane. You had a great week of weather. You had um, the, the Cubs. Red Sox. Oh, the Cubs. The Cubs. Sorry, <laughs> don't say Red Sox. Uh, the Cubs uh, won for the first time in I don't know how many years. Um, their parade was on the Friday, where I think five million people came through the city. It, it was it was insane stuff. And then as well, you're playing in Soldier Field, which is like this like Coliseum. It was like playing the Coliseum, the way it's shaped. And it was just, it all came together perfectly. And I, I don't remember too much with the singing. Uh, I won't tell a lie, I, I could have had a few, uh, <laughs> a few drops of porter. But, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was an amazing, amazing time. And uh, it'll, it'll be a time that I look back with fond memories. And it set up that unbelievable game, the rematch, so two weeks later in the Aviva. Yeah. Probably the most physical game I can remember until the Lions tour last, year, last yeah. summer. Like, what was that game like? They were obviously gunning for you after losing for the first time. Um, but they're always gunning for you. I mean, they, like, they're, they're going around with a massive target on their, on their back, just like the dubs were, you know, in the lead-up to the All-Ireland. You know, everyone wants to beat them, you know, and... Um, that's, they're the best in the world for, for that reason because they're able to perform the, in a, and, and lose a game and just flip the switch and go again. And we came close, we came close. Um, but they, again, they just they, they showed their class in terms of just you make a mistake, they punish you. And that's what the best in the world is do. Uh, Tony, just going back to the Pro 14 for a moment, uh, I know you were talking about Stuart McCluskey and his potential in your column this week. Uh, has he been one of the standout players for you so far? Because Munster have had a couple of good wins as well. <laughs> Stuart McCluskey? Oh yeah, but well, no, it impressed me about McCluskey and, and Jamie can identify with it. I, I, I don't generally, I hate in the modern game how big it's got. I hate, you know, players with the physique of Bastereau and I don't deny him the right to play the game. But centres now are as big as second rows were in my day. And it's a very physical game. And I just hate the concept of attacking bodies rather than attacking space. And for me, that's what makes New Zealand special. Yet, 
they've room for a player like Sonny Bill Williams, who has that ability to do something different and offload the ball and the tackle and bring other players onto it. I just see a little bit of that potentially, and I make that point, in McCluskey. He's a big boy. He's got a lot of work to do to get into the side ahead of Gary Ringrose uh, and Robbie Henshaw at the moment. But certainly the potential in an SB Sonny Bill Williams kind of way is definitely there. Is he Joe Schmidt's kind of player, do you think, Jamie? I don't know, you'd have to ask Joe, <laughs> um, to be honest. Um, you know, Joe, you know, my, my, you know, knowing Joe for so long, he's coaching me since 2010, um, Joe likes players that work, Joe likes players that know their job, um, and he likes players that don't make mistakes. And if a player can do all of that, then, um, you know, then he's putting it back on, on the coaches to make a decision. Now, but like we touched on it earlier about the amount of talent coming through. Um, you know, people are worried about, you know, uh, Gordon Darcy and Brian O'Driscoll finishing up on how we're going to fill that void. And look, Robbie and Gary stepped up straight away, or Jared Payne stepped up, and Stuart has, has had his chance as well. Um, and like anything, there's just going to be that competition in, in the spot, and he's just got to, he's, you know, you, you got to get yourself to that level, put your hand up, and then put the pressure on the coach. You could, as a player, and you can, you know, this from the past. You can only do so much. Um, you got to play your game and, and just see how the rest of it pans out. You know. You mentioned Josh Schmidt there. Has he been kind of talking to you much during your injury, kind of keeping up on how you're progressing? Or I've talked to, to Joe once or twice, yeah, about it. Um, the way the system works in Ireland, and this is why a lot of players stay in Ireland, is because we are all under the one roof of the IRFU. Um, the information, kind of the, the feedback loop, everyone's in on it. You know what I mean? There's not a very it's not separate, you know, club country kind of um, setup. So Joe's he's he's well informed on it. He knows the kind of uh, seriousness of uh, the situation, and um, yeah, he's he's uh, yeah he's, he's he's up to date on it. I was talking to him uh, what day is it today? I saw him Friday or Thursday or Friday morning. Yeah, that last Friday week as well. I just happened I did a for in uh, Tigers Club at uh, New Ross. Myself and Joe did a. A fundraiser down there and the one thing I, I know Joe reasonably well not as well as Jamie obviously because I didn't play under him as a coach um, but the one thing I say about him that really has evolved is he loves this country now and all the talk naturally is about will the day come when he'll take New Zealand and it might evolve in time but I'll tell you genuinely it is not an ambition of his he loves where he's at and he wants to see Ireland do really well at World Cup level. That's his ambition yeah. of the immediate future. Yeah, I know his contract is up to 2019, Jamie, but do you think, as Tony says, do you think he loves his country? Do you think he could actually stay on a bit longer? Well, I, I think he could, but I wouldn't blame him if he, if he wanted to move on just, just as much, you know what I mean? Um, like everyone, uh, they probably want to keep uh, moving along or changing it up. And, um, but, I, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that he's here for Irish rugby. Uh, he's a great believer in bringing through talent as well, uh, which is great for the longevity um, of success that the club, uh, the club, the country will bring. Um, and, I, I, you know, you, you'd love for him to stay around, you know, but he's, he, like, the things that Joe has been able to accomplish with the group, um, with the coaching staff around him as well, he's got some great people working with him that I think uh, they can accomplish some great things and he'd be in high demand just like he was before. Um, so, you know, the, it'll, be, it'll be, he loves the country. That's, there's no doubt he loves, uh, he, he loves getting about. I, I don't know how many clubs that man has visited over the, the time he's been here. Um, he probably knows Ireland better than most Irish people. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd be, well, not confident, I, I'd love for him to stay. Um, but 
I wouldn't blame him if he had to go on. Tony, he's probably had as much impact on Irish rugby as almost any other player. I agree. I think his impact has been massive. And what people don't realise about him is, because, um, yeah, they, they'd see him being interviewed, obviously, before or after a game. And he is very serious. But two aspects in the background that, again, Jamie will identify with. He's an absolute control freak. And make <laughs> no mistake about that. He likes to control everything. But he also has a brilliant sense of humour. And that's what people often don't realise about him. So he's great to be around. I'm not sure when you're losing, but that hasn't happened too often. It's been an amazing one. Yeah, success. he's funny. He he takes uh, losses just like, well, not just like wins, but he's um, he's he can be quite clinical. And uh, as a coach, you need that. And we often say, you know, we talk about Joe being a nice guy, and he is a nice guy off field. But as a coach, he's really clinical, which you need to be honest. You know, he has made tough calls regarding decisions, uh, injuries, questionable players, uh, who he thinks is in form, who he thinks will do a job for him, which is quite different than who you know. A player might be playing well in one system, but might not fit into the way he wants to play. Um, but his <laughs> his wit is, yeah, he he can cut you to the bone with his wit, and uh, you, you got to be on your toes when you're around him. But you just get him talking about horses, and he's away. He, 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 anything about <laughs> horses, and, and he's set. Yeah, he's good. That was our chat from the National Ploughing Championships. I'm Will Slattery, and thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next Thursday for another show where me and Luke will be in studio with a guest. So until then, thanks for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>